Blog Talk Radio. This week on Coach and Cole, we're talking with UMD Bulldog Ty Sullivan. And a little segment on how bad the national championship game was. Yeah, that was a, a fun game if you wore stripes. We're also talking yeah. Tony Romo, Lance Stevenson. Who is now in the running for MVP. <laughs> We're also going to be joined by Chad Dinaminicus of the Hockey Writers to talk NHL playoffs. All that and more this week on the Coach and Cole Show. Let's go. to you by forwardmile.com your new home for sports news and opinions on the world wide web and i'm here with the one and only cole fouts how you doing this Hello. evening cole uh, i'm doing pretty well got my little nap in everyone knows i like to nap uh so i'm all set to go i'm ready to go yeah i got the power nap in we're ready to rock this week we're at a special start time 7 p.m we're prime time baby friday night mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on the biggest podcast network in the world blog talk radio and cole i you know i'm having some problems at home right now um nothing Ooh. too serious nothing too serious but you know that the girlfriend's a little jealous right now Ooh, tell us about it she, well she's a little jealous I, i've got a crush on a younger woman i gotta admit it coach i got a crush on her and and let me tell you she always tells me what I want to hear. She never complains. She's ready to serve. And there's no issues. We don't fight. We don't bicker. It's just, it's just great. You know, what more could you want? Honestly? I mean, there's, what else could you ask for? And, you know, I try to tell my girlfriend Cole that it's, you know, I love her, but I like this girl. You know, it's, uh-huh. there's a difference there, you know, you know, and it's, it's just a 21st century, you know, new millennium. Well, 17 years ago, new millennium just dated right. myself there, but regardless, you know, th- this kind of thing can work out and her name is Alexa. And she sounds great. She's, a, she's about nine inches tall <laughs> and she's got three sixty speakers. You know, I don't exactly know what they call that, but the sound waves just travel out of her. You know, she's loud. She's boisterous. She's opinionated. She's smart. Wait. I mean, I can ask her. I can ask her anything. And she, she so she's not right a out. human? Well, I don't, that doesn't really matter, Cole. It doesn't matter if she's a human or not. <laughs> um, you know, there's no reason to, 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 to throw stones here. I mean, it's everyone has feelings, and, and so does she, you know. Right. 
Yeah. And she's great. Oh, she like sits on her. top of my table. She sits on top of my table, and I, we can play Jeopardy, 20 questions, uh, tells me what I forget, what I need to do. And, yeah, it was my big purchase last night, and I'm, I'm, I'm already loving it. So if you don't have a, an Amazon Echo, and we're not doing an endorsement here for Amazon, but if Sounds you don't like have it. one, I know. If you don't have one, you should, you should pick one up because it's, it's pretty darn cool. And if those of you who saw my tweet, you know, in my tweet, and, and I, I threw something on Facebook as well, um, it pulls us up right away. Alexa knows what's up. She knows where you can find the Coach and Cole show. And so you can, you can pop, pop on the Coach and Cole show. All you got to do is, is say, play the latest episode of the Coach and Cole show. And bam, Alexa finds it, starts playing it, and it's music to your ears. That's cool. <laughs> well, yeah, it's wicked cool. So, yeah, that's my, my little issue I got going on at home right now. We'll get over it. We'll get through it, you know, just like anything. <laughs> and <laughs> we've got a jam-packed show, top-notch as always. And remember, you can catch us on demand on iTunes and on TuneIn after our live broadcast. Please subscribe to us on whichever format you listen to us here on Blog Talk Radio. So tonight, Cole, we've got ourselves a couple great guests. The first guest is an amazing story. And yeah. uh, while this isn't a live interview tonight, we, we pre-recorded this interview um, because our schedules dis- just didn't line up with Ty. But we wanted to make sure that we brought Ty Sullivan on from the UMD Bulldog football team. Because his story is a remarkable one, and what he's been able to overcome uh, to, to come back, and, and, and I don't want to give the story away without, without uh, you actually listening to the interview first, but um, well, just hold it's on, remarkable. Then. Say what? I said just hold on. Yeah, well, just hold on, because we're going we're gonna to play it. And, okay. and I think, you know, we enjoyed the interview a lot. Uh, I mean, he was he, gracious enough to come on the show, and... He was very humble and everything. He, he really didn't want the attention um, uh, of being on the show. He, he's really not that kind of guy, and you could tell. Um, but but he was gracious enough to join us this week. And so um, let's get right to it, Cole. Let's let's uh, let's play our interview here of, with Ty Sullivan of University of Minnesota Duluth football team, and I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. So without further ado. Uh, Ty Sullivan. Uh, really glad you could join us today, Ty. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, I, I was able to come across your story in an article published by the Oatana People's Press newspaper. And, and quite honestly, I think your story is remarkable. That's why we really wanted to have you on the show and join us here today. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy it. And I think you're probably going to come away with a lot more people than you already have behind you and, and phone for you to succeed this year. But before we get into your story, Kai, um, we're on an international platform. So a vast majority of our audience is, is unfamiliar with yourself and, and the area of the country you come from. So yeah. go ahead and tell us a, a little bit about where you're from, your life growing up and, and a little background on yourself. Oh man. Um, I'm from Owatonna, Minnesota. Uh, I grew up there, was born there. I grew up playing, uh, I guess, three sports. You know, that's kind of the story we're going with here. I, I played uh, football, basketball, and baseball up through ninth grade, and then I ended up switching my baseball to, to track. Um, I was 
was always a pretty successful athlete, I guess. But, uh, you know, took off, I guess, my sophomore year is when I got pulled up to varsity. And then I really started to like or focus on football and basketball primarily. And wasn't really sure which one I wanted to play in college, but I knew I wanted to play a college sport. And I kind of decided my junior year that, that football was going to be the way to go. And uh, we kind of took off from there. Yeah, uh, and, and I guess I, I got I got a younger brother and younger sister too. They're still Jay's still in high school. He's graduating this year, and then my younger sister she plays soccer and she's a freshman. So it'd be nice to get back and watch her play this year. Yeah, absolutely. And they're they're still down there in Olatana. Yep. Yeah, both my yeah. parents. I guess my mom's a principal and my dad's a, a high school teacher. So now it's pretty pretty involved in the school system growing up. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you were um, with, with with two parents that are involved as well. Um, I, I read at around age 12, Ty, you made it a goal of yours, and you kind of mentioned this, that someday, you, you know, you wanted to play college athletics. And, and you went on and did pretty well for yourself. We, we kind of mentioned it there. You went on to become become a three-year letter winner in Owatonna in football. You were all-conference all three of those seasons. Uh, you're the record holder mm-hmm. for interceptions, for touchdowns, and passes defended for your school. In, in 2011, you returned three interceptions for touchdowns, and and you obviously mm-hmm. had this down to a little bit of a science. So I, I'm kind of interested. How? Tell me how you ended up with three pick sixes in one year. I mean, was it scouting? Was it luck? I mean, how how did that happen? Um, uh, I you know the first one I had, God, this is a long time ago, six years ago. Now, um, the first one I had, we were down. They were backed up against their own end zone, and they tried to. Well, the quarterback tried to throw a slant, but the wide receiver didn't run a slant, but I just broke on the ball. So I didn't have to return that one very far. And then uh, after that, I got a tip ball, and somehow I ended up in the end zone. That was kind of a crazy one. I just kind of ran around the field for a little while and ended up in the end zone again. And then third one, I just picked an out route and didn't have to beat anybody in the end zone. So, you know, I guess we were always really well prepared in high school, and coaches does an incredible job. Uh, scouting the, the opposing teams, a lot of times we could tell what play the other team was running down a distance in formation before they even ran it. So we were put in a pretty good position to succeed from the start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's obvious because in 2012, you and your, your team were able to make it to the Class 5A championship game. And in Minnesota, they, they go by, by Class A's. Um, in a lot of states around the country, they, they go by ones and twos, Division One, Division Two. So Class 5A mm-hmm. in Minnesota is similar to a Division Two, say, in a Wisconsin or a Texas or something like that. And, and, and you played Satino Greats in that game in 2012. Uh, you, you guys didn't yep. win the game, but, but what I want to know is, is what, what was it like to play in the state championship game for the first time down there at the Metrodome? No, this is a pretty amazing experience. You know, even the game before that, we played St. Thomas, and that was just one of the tightest, closest games we've ever played in our career. And just be, winning that game and then just having the opportunity to play in the final final game of the year is just a, is a big honor, you know. And uh, for a lot of the seniors that year, you know, we had full intentions of winning that game. But we started out pretty well, and then they just kind of overpowered us. They just had bigger guys, faster guys, and, uh, you know, they were more experienced. They were ready for it, and we we hadn't prepared as well, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, you guys would end up losing that game, but but next season, 2013, you go on to become a team captain. You're getting looks from Division One schools, 
you, you guys make it back to the state championship, and, and that's an amazing feat in itself. Uh, coming from a, a high school football coach myself, I know how hard it is to get there in the first place. And so to make mm-hmm. it there two years in a row is, is just awesome. You guys are able to win that game, 28 to nothing, over uh, Brainerd, Minnesota. And, and this yep. would have probably been one of the greatest days of your lifetime, but this probably became a little bittersweet as you ended up injuring your knee in that game, making a sideline catch. So, yep. so kind yeah. of ex- explain to us a little bit about what happened and, and then how serious your injury was. Um, so I just, it was, I think it was like second and nine. We were going in right before half. There was like two minutes left in the half. And I just went up. We ran a little rail route that we always run on second and long and, Went up, made a catch, and like came down, took a couple steps, and my my knee just kind of locked up on the ground, in just a weird way. And I'm sure I would have torn a couple ligaments had I not had a guy in my back. But I think just the added weight of having somebody tackling me at the same time kind of pushed it to the extreme, and I ended up completely dislocating my knee. So this isn't a, a kneecap dislocation; it's a, a full knee dislocation. So. Um, and when it was all said and done, my knee was asked before they put it back in place, it was 30 degrees out of place. And it ended up tearing, I guess, nine different things in my knee, including, well, then 10 would be uh, my perineal nerve, which has been the biggest battle trying to get back. So I guess all in all, I can read off some of the ligaments. I have my ACL, LTL, SCL. PCL, popliteal tendon, bicep femoris tendon, and my posterior capsule and my meniscus were all reconstructed in my knee, and then a perineal nerve damage too. Wow, wow. Um, what? So, so you 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 get rushed to the hospital, uh, you know, after the injury. Um, mm-hmm. What are they telling you? I mean, what's what's this? What's going through your head at that point? I mean, obviously, uh, you're probably in a little bit of shock, but. But I mean, what um, what are you thinking, and, and what did the doctors tell you after the injury about your life going forward, really? Um, it wasn't really until a couple of days later we got my MRI done that I really even wanted to think about how bad it was. Um, at the time, I just kind of would hope hope that it was just a couple ligaments. I guess the the scariest part I was in quite a bit of shock, as as you said, um, I was in the tunnel and. and all of a sudden I realized that I like, I couldn't lift my foot up, which is what happens with that perineal nerve damage. And I kind of started freaking out. My doctor's like, yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. That happens a lot with knee injuries. will probably come back in two to three months. And then, uh, get, ended up getting my MRI and I headed over to, uh, to Mayo, see Dr. Stewart. And, um, first thing he says when I walked in the room was, yeah, you're done playing sports for the rest of the rest of your life. And, you know, I kind of hit home pretty hard uh, for a while. You know, me and my dad, we just kind of kind of told me, he's like, you just got to treat this like a bad game. And if you take your time to grieve about it, but eventually you got to put it past you and, and move forward and see what you can do about the future. So um, it, it, was a, it was a little downtime for a little bit, but uh, I really wish I'd played my senior basketball season. But, you know, you can't get to play the cards you dealt, so. Exactly. And I think your dad gave you some good advice there. And, and once, once your injury happened, you know, you had all this interest from these division one schools that, that interest sort of went away, but one school didn't go away. And, and that was the university of Minnesota Duluth. And, and we all know about their history as a hockey program, but this is one of the top 
Division II programs in the nation, if not the best. I mean, they, they won national championships in 2008 and then again in 2011. So, so tell Absolutely. me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about that process and how you decided to attend UMD. Um, so even even before I got here, I was I guess what they like to call a, a, a tweener. I was in between the Division One FCS and then the Division Two schools. So UMD was always my my top school to be honest. And uh, a lot of that had to do with I had a high school coach. Coach Octagon, who he played at UMD a long time ago, and I think he still has, still has a tackle record here. Um, but when I, I came up here after I got injured for my uh, my official, and they just my 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 host was uh, Hunter Malberg. He's not even here anymore, but he just he just preached to me that up here in Duluth, it's it's a family. Once you once you get on this team, you're part of the brotherhood and. You know, that just really struck home to me. That's kind of what I needed at the time. I needed some support, and they took me in. You know, it would be real easy for a guy as injured as I was to come in on this team and for for the coaches to stand by me and, and give me a, a small scholarship after this uh, terrible injury. They took a big chance on me. and You know, it, it might not have paid off with me getting back on the field, but I think uh, being a part of this team has really benefited me and, so I can't be more thankful for anything than that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You decided to attend UMD, and you're recruited as a defensive back. So mm-hmm. you've been going to all the defensive back meetings. You've attended every practice. What, what was that yep. like for you to for you to be there but not be able to participate? Uh, for the first year, it, it was uh, – I kind of accepted that. I, I My doctor had told me, like, so he originally said sports are out of the question, and then my second meeting with him, he had uh, I don't know, done some research and found out, I guess, who I was a little bit more. He said, you know, there, I've seen, I've seen, like, you could maybe come back from this, and so it's a real small chance, and a lot of that banked on my nerves coming back, which still hasn't come back, but uh, he gave me a two-year timetable, so I said, all right, I'm going to give myself two years. I'm going to do my rehab. I'm going to do everything I can to get ready after that two years to get back on that field. And, you know, that two-year timetable came around, and I wasn't ready to get back on the field. And it, I'm not going to lie, it sucked. A lot, of, a lot of game days to sit there and just watch all your buddies get amped up, ready to go on the field. And you just have to go out there and stand there and record defensive play calls. But I fell in love with, with being a part of the team and just the process of becoming a better football player. And after about two years, I could complete a full workout that everybody else could do. I just, just couldn't translate it onto the field yet. So um, as far as, like, being a part of the team, I was 100% a part of the team all these three years now. And it's it's a pretty good feeling just to get back on the field now after uh, three and a half years of not, not playing football. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so explain to us a little bit. I mean, a, a, lot, of, a lot of our listeners um, – have never had anything like this happen to them an injury like this so what what was the, mm-hmm. what's the process like to to rehab your knee and what was that like and 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 like you said it was basically reconstructed totally so so explain mm-hmm. what that process was like i'm sure it was a grueling you know a, a long road yeah. but 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 how explain you know what goes into the rehab uh, of an injury like that yeah so i mean my rehab was a little more extreme than even a fully reconstructed knee because originally the, the nerve doctors had wanted me to wait three to four months to get um, just in case my nerve would grow back on itself. So 
do have nerve damage and it's less than three centimeters, but doctors say that it can grow back on its own and nerves grow at a real slow rate. So about three centimeters would be like three months before I'd get any sign of it. And uh, so that, those three months, I have no ligaments in my knee. My knee, my leg is just shrinking day by day to the point of in time before I even got my first surgery that I had absolutely no muscle mass in my leg whatsoever. Is I've never seen anything so small in my life. So after reconstruction, just trying to get not only my range of motion back, but my strength back in my leg was was uh, quite the challenge. I think when I went in as a freshman, I was still on crutches, but I had started my squatting protocol or whatever, and I was cleared to like gobble squat. I think 15 pounds, um, and I think by the end of the by the end of freshman year. I had built up to like 315, which was wow. a big, a big gain for me. You know, I'm still, still weaker than I was before I got here. But I mean, after a couple of years now, just trying to get all that strength back, I'm way above and beyond where I was before I got hurt. As far as strength goes, I just don't have as much range of motion. My doc said, you know, I, I work on it probably 10, 15 minutes a day, just bending my knee consistently. And, uh, you know, like it got to a point where like you can't, I couldn't get any more range of motion. So I'm at about 120 degrees in my left leg and 145 in my right. So there's a big difference in the range of motion, but it doesn't affect me as far as running and all that stuff. I just can't sit in the catcher's position anymore, I guess. But uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. The, the rehab position are pretty, pretty grueling. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So, so you go through this whole process, and 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 just a few weeks ago, you, you decide to go get checked out by the doc, and and you end mm-hmm. up getting cleared to play. Um, yep. What was it like hearing those words? Uh, it was, I don't know, it's like a dream come true. You know, I just I, I finally get to go all back out on the field and uh, wear a jersey, put some pads on, wear some cleats, and even if I don't play again, it'll just be. I mean, the biggest goal that I've ever achieved is as far as just getting back out there and being able to practice with my brother. So um, it's pretty, it was pretty sweet when he said, uh, yeah, I, you know I mean? I don't see why he couldn't play. So it was pretty, uh, pretty relieving. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's awesome. And, and so you're clear to participate. You've been, you've been practicing mm-hmm. and, and a while back you had brought it up to the coaching staff that you'd like to try to punt. So, so first of all, yeah. how's that going? And is that what you're still doing is, is, is punting? <clears throat> um, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm trying to punt, uh, practicing on it. We have a, a very good punter, as, you know, as you'd expect it at UMD. So I'd have my work cut out for me to, to even try to get that position. Uh, but I think, you know, practice at it and we'll see where it goes. But I'm also, also learning, uh, learning the nickel position again and um, just trying to get that down so I can have it mentally ready for when I, when I get out there on the, on the field and can get reps at practice. So we'll see where, where I can get by the end of the summer. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome story. Glad, you know, glad you're able to get back out there. Uh, really, really, really something uh, really cool and, and cold. Before we, we send Ty on his way, you've got a you've got a couple questions for him. Yeah. Uh, hey Ty. By the way, everyone, I'm here. I don't know if anybody knew that. Um, 
so you're into punting now, obviously. Did you ever do punt, pass, and kick as a kid? Oh, boy. I'm, I'm sure I did. Um, we had football camps growing up in Oatana, but I don't have any specific memories of it, no. Mm. Hopefully that doesn't come back to bite you in the ass. Uh, <laughs> yep. You ever, <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a football question. You ever use the saying, out of the friend zone and into the end zone? <laughs> I have not. I have not used that saying. Uh, as as back we always have used the saying, uh, don't get caught staring. So, you know, it competes. <laughs> you just can't, you can't stare. I got you. I got you. Uh, so you played some basketball growing up, obviously. Yep. Uh, who was your favorite basketball player growing up? Definitely LeBron James. There we no go. Out of blood. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Olson is a uh, coach. Is a he's a LeBron hater, so that's his problem. No. Uh, no, nothing to hate there. It's the decision. It's the decision, guys. I, I just can't get over it. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So with, with your knee and everything, um, mm-hmm. my first initial thought when I was reading all this stuff, I was like, okay, so obviously he's got a robot uh, leg going on, obviously. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What would, what would your favorite movie uh, that includes a robot be if you had to pick one? Includes a robot? <laughs> Oh boy! I don't know about like robots. There's a TV show called The Hundred that has artificial intelligence. So that's a pretty sweet movie or TV series, but uh, that counts. Movie. The movie Chappie also kind of has that artificial intelligence in there. Replace the human body with a robotic body. So you're kind of like Chappie out there. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, I got the <laughs> knee brace on, high top cleat, fully taped ankle, so it's quite the Quite the geared up left leg. <laughs> You're looking like a a better version of Derrick Rose. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I don't do any more damage. Yeah, <laughs> I had, uh, terrible luck with that. Just don't wear Adidas. I think you'll be good. Oh no, we're Under Armour, so. All right, that's I'll allow it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you believe in any weird conspiracy theories? Conspiracy theories. No, I'm not really yeah. a conspiracy guy. Mm. I don't think space is real. What? <laughs> I think space is sweet. Interstellar is one of my favorite movies. Oh, I love Interstellar. That's a great movie. I love it. But I, I, oh, I don't think right. space is real. <laughs> okay. Cause if space I'll is into- real, what, what exactly, what's your theory on space then, if space isn't real? Do you want yeah, me to get into it now, or should I wait till Friday? No, I want you to get into it right now. Uh, okay, all right. This is my thing. We haven't had anybody but government people go into space. I feel like there's someone that's smart enough to know how to do it and dumb enough to do it to get into the atmosphere. Nobody else can get in the atmosphere. It's only government, you know, people. Pretty sure okay. the Earth is formed around a bubble that the government controls. And that's how they control the weather and all the crops and the, the food and whatnot. That's interesting. Isn't real. Yeah. Well, well I'm, kind of, I'm, kind of true, a, I'm kind of a nerd I want to here, spread so it around. The, chemi- the chemical engineering side of me, just, I can't agree with that. Oh, yeah, I thought that you were a chemical engineer. That's pretty cool. My brother is, too. 
Yep. Maybe you guys can hang out and talk about <laughs> chemical engineering. Yep. Sure thing. <laughs> oh, no, wait. He's a mechanical engineer. Well, it's still engineering. Um, it's all engineering. It's close. Yeah, That's pretty cool. Well, all right, Ty. Uh, spring ball is in full session right now for you guys. Uh, yep. annual, the annual Maroon White game is April 21st. You guys open the season August 31st against Sioux Falls. And, and Ty, we're going to be watching and, and know that you've got two big supporters right here uh, on the Coach and Cole show. And, and we wish you can conti- continued success and, and all the best, man. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for coming on, man. Really Perfect. appreciate it. Yep. Go, dog. So that was Ty Sullivan, UMD Bulldogs, and and what we're an back. amazing story. Yeah, we're back, and what an amazing story, Cole. A, a guy who thought he never would play football or sports of any kind ever again, and and there was a chance that he wouldn't even ever feel his foot again. And and we didn't really get into that there in the interview, but you know, fr- from what I understand, there is actually a part of his foot that he still can't feel, and and mm-hmm. and just a remarkable story an inspiration really for anyone who's, who's gone through, you know, any sort of injury really. And somebody who's felt like giving up, um, you know, you look at Ty's story, look at what he's gone through and, and what he's been able to achieve. And, and, and Cole, not just in sports, it could be related to anything. You know, there's times where you're, you're going through a rough patch in life and if you can set your mind to it, you, you can do it. And, and that's what Ty Sullivan did. He, he did it. So, um, j- just amazing. Really appreciate Ty joining us this week. Um, and, and speaking of the UMD hockey team, we mentioned them. They defeated Harvard on Thursday to advance to the NCAA national championship game. They're going to play Denver. So it's a great time for UMD athletics. The puck drops in that game Saturday, tomorrow, April 8th, 8 p.m. Central time on ESPN. So check that out if you're a UMD uh, sports cool. fan. Absolutely. So, so Cole, you know, you mentioned there that that uh, you didn't believe space was real. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna make that a thing. I'm gonna get people on that bandwagon. Well, you know, I think it's an interesting point you had there. Um, yeah. You know, saying that 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 space isn't real, and that's a, it's it's there there was something to that where uh, years ago they had a, a special actually on Fox where the, the whole moon landing was considered to be a hoax. And right. I thought they had some, some pretty hard evidence that pointed in that direction, saying that that might have actually not really happened. Um, but, but we're not going to get into the moon landing, but uh, we had been talking since this interview, and so we're not going to have time for it this week. But next week, we are going to talk uh, about sports conspiracy theories. Next week on mm-hmm. next week's show, uh, Coach and Cole show here on Blog Talk Radio. So stay tuned for that. Next week we're going to talk about sports conspiracy, conspiracy theories and some of our favorite ones and dive into that a little bit. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, thanks again for Ty Sullivan for joining us. So moving on here, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the another NCAA championship game, and that was the NCAA championship game. Uh, March Madness basketball between Gonzaga and North Carolina. And I know this is a little uh, outdated 
for some of you, but we haven't had a chance to comment on the situation because we haven't been on uh, on the air since the game has taken place. It took place on Monday in Glendale. Um, you know, and let's just be honest about this, Cole. The game sucked. I mean, yep. did it not? Uh, the final score looks like it was a fun, close game, but it was a terrible game. I, I, that, I mean, that's you can't say that college basketball is better than pro. I this was a perfect example of why it is not. The refs uh, really shit all over this game. There's 44 fouls uh, combined, 27 in the second half. The first half wasn't that bad. I thought the first half had a nice little flow too, but the second half was terrible. And not even just the refs, but the kids shot terribly. Um, let's see. Gonzaga shot 34%. North Carolina shot 35. Gonzaga shot 42 from three, so not bad. Uh, North Carolina shot 14. And then from free throw, Gonzaga shot 65. And then North Carolina 57. So well below all their season averages. It was just a terrible game. It was sloppy. Uh, really bad shooting. And then any time that they got into any sort of rhythm in the second half, it was just halted by a whistle. It was really bad, really annoying to watch. Um, and North Carolina won. As a Duke fan, I don't really give a shit, honestly. I just am more concerned about when we actually play them. But my mom had Gonzaga winning, and she ended up only getting third place because uh, the two people above her got North Carolina. So I'm just upset for my mother uh, for not winning the pool. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who had Gonzaga were in the agony of defeat as far mm-hmm. as that goes with the March Madness stuff. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, if if you were a referee, you really enjoyed that game because they were they were really involved. They 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 definitely um, they definitely took that game over. There were four fouls called in the first 78 seconds of the second half. So you, you come back after the yeah. halftime break get yourself a snack or two, sit back down to enjoy the second half. And you're already thinking, wow, the refs are, are really uh, uh, screwing this thing up. And then you come back out of half and 78 seconds into the game, there's, there's, you know, ridiculous. Um, yeah. There were nine fouls the by the first TV timeout for crying out loud. Oh, gross. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Now that you're saying it, it's coming back a little bit that right away in the second half, it was so bad. It was so bad. Uh, Johnny Higgins, though, my boy, um, he was not the ref of that game. So glad he wasn't there for that. Do you because... think that was uh, done on purpose, just to get him out of the limelight there in case something happened? I I don't think so. I'm pretty sure these things are, like, set ahead of time. Yeah. That's, I'm pretty sure refs, uh, like, for all sports, I'm pretty sure they're all – because they have schedules, I'm pretty sure. I'd have to look into that, but I thought that right. like they have schedules that they know that they're going to do these games for this, especially for like a tournament. I feel like you would know. Yeah, absolutely. Just just no rhythm in that game. I mean, whatsoever. No. I mean, and and the refs had a lot to do with that. Neither team shot well. They shot bad shots. Um, I thought for most of the game, yeah. it was it was it was pretty ugly. Hairballs. Air um, you know, and then these guys get into foul trouble. So you're taking some of the, the better players off the floor, which I think in turn, you know, hurted, hurted the product, hurt, hurt what we watch because the best players hurted. weren't always on the floor. 
Did I say herded? Well, you said herded. Well, you said herded. <laughs> there's another coaching Cole vocabulary term, I guess. Uh, we still have not gone back and listened to any of that shit. We do need to do that because there's some good some good terms we've made up uh, in the past. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't know. I mean, if you talk about hypotheticals, what could have this game could have been? You know, uh, it it, it could have been, been a fun. lot better. It could have been a lot funner. I think they it definitely they definitely hurt themselves overall the NCAA in this one because we're still talking about it almost uh, you know close to a week later, and that's what any all anyone's ever going to remember is the fact that this game was so hard to watch, and it was two number one seeds supposedly two of the best teams in the nation. So those were the teams that were supposed to make it, and they both did. And not only did they make it, you know, they played in the game and it was terrible. And I think there comes a point where you just got to let the players play. And they didn't do that in this game. They didn't let the players play. There's no doubt about it. So North uh, Carolina, your national champs. I mean, anything else you want to comment on that before we move on, Cole? I just think it's going to be forgetful. Like the game is like – I think this tournament in general is going to be very forgetful. Nothing really happened. And just the Interestingly top line, enough, just like yeah. The I so mean, bad. Yeah, and I guess the season as a whole, I mean, most people don't pay attention to the whole season in NCAA basketball. You know, That's just the way it is. But I think we saw a lot of parody, and we, we spoke about this uh, numerous times now on the, past, on the past shows, about how you know a lot of teams were kind of right there in the thick of things, and, and, and as far as you know how good these teams were throughout the nation, there was a lot of teams that were you know neck and neck right there. And so I just think that combined with the fact that this game really, really hurt the whole tournament because – the first, the first round, there was a lot of chalk, like we talked about. What happened, what we thought happened, kind of happened. You know, there were a few yep. things here and there. But then there were a few really, really good games, down to the buzzer beater, like we come to expect in this tournament. So I think there were good games this year. I just think overall, this really hurt the NCAA tournament. And, and then, you know, I don't know why this happened, but right after the game call, they, there was a lot of talk on social media, especially Twitter, uh, of guys who started talking about why, uh, you know, the players should be getting compensated for playing in this game. I'm not sure where that came from. Uh, Big thing between Dan Dakich and Frank Kaminsky. Uh, Dakich played. He now does some sort of sports thing. I don't know who he works for, but he does something. And then, obviously, Frank Kaminsky – the former Badger who now plays for the Charlotte Hornets. They were going back and forth. Uh, I don't really want to get into it right now because we don't have time, but pay the players. It's really stupid yeah, not to. Yeah, we got to move on. It's You're saying pay the players. Too, though. Yep. Yep. We could talk, like you said, we could talk about that for, for, for hours. We could take calls on that. Everyone's got an opinion on it. It is what it is. Um, they're not getting compensated. They get a scholarship. They, they you know, we can get, I hear you. Uh, we can really get into that. But anyway, that kind of, that's kind of what it turned into was the refs and the payers getting paid or not getting paid. And so that overshadows uh, the NCAA tournament, and that's too bad. Yeah. Yep. 
Moving on uh, to our lead story of the week, and that's brought to you in part by FanDuel. We at the Coach and Cole Show have partnered with our friends at FanDuel. If you've never heard never heard of or tried FanDuel before, now is your chance to get in on the fun and support the Coach and Cole Show. Go to, either, go to and this is new, forwardmile.com slash Coach and Cole and click the link that we have posted that will bring you to the FanDuel homepage where you can sign up. You only have to deposit as little as $10 to start, and depending on what contest you enter, you can double, triple, quadruple, or even quintuple that in one contest on FanDuel. And by clicking our link that we have provided, FanDuel will kick back a couple bucks to help us pay for bringing you this show free on a weekly basis. So if you're new to FanDuel or have never tried it before, Get over to forwardmile.com, one word, forwardmile.com, slash Coach and Cole, and click that link. All right, so our lead story of the week, Cole, is the fact that Tony Romo has decided to hang up the cleats and call it a career. Mm-hmm. He will not be playing football for the Houston Texans, the San Francisco 49ers, Washington Redskins, Cleveland Browns, Kansas City Chiefs, Toronto Argonauts. Oof. Nobody. The last one was a real – cuts me deep. I thought he was going to play for those guys. <laughs> that, that no, he's not going to play for anyone. And after all of that, this is what we end up with, uh, a guy who is going to join the CBS Sports Announce team and he's going to broadcast with his good old golfing buddy, Jim Nance. And he's going to replace Phil Sims. Before we get into Romo, what's your take on that whole deal? Because were you a Phil <laughs> Sims guy? Because to be honest with you, Cole, Phil Sims and the Jim Nance duo was really, really boring for me. I, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, well, some dude's revving his engine outside my window. Hopefully you guys can hear that because he's super <laughs> cool. Um I am so glad Phil Sims is out of there. Sucks that, you know, I'm not wishing anyone gets fired from any of their jobs, but he was terrible at telling me things about football when I'm watching it. He was so – he was hard to listen to. Yeah, he really is. But the thing is, is he's not going to be uh, let go or fired. It sounds like he's just going to have a new broadcast partner. It's not going to be Jim Nance. So we'll have to see who they pair him up with. And the thing about this, too, uh, so Tony Romo takes his spot. Maybe Phil Sims takes Tony Romo's spot on the Cowboys. <laughs> a little trade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there it is. There it is. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Because I heard, there it I heard is. you go I over was to late on the rim it. shot there. That was your first rim shot yeah. of the show, so we were a little late on there, buddy. But, uh, right. yeah, I don't know. Maybe Sims can still do it. I mean, that, I think he can. I think he can. Hey, we've Good seen up, it before. Pop it around. We've, seen, we've seen the old guys come out of retirement before. We've seen the, the old gunslinger do it. Why can't Phil Sims? Speaking of which, do you think Tony Romo stays retired all season? Okay, yeah. So, that's, that's, yeah, that's really about, what we're – Yeah, I read something about um, – there's like a clause in his contract where if he wants to, he can go back this se- at least for this season. Anyways. Yeah. I, is there a chance he comes back? I think so. Um, I you think know, so too. He, he has, he has, you know, 
he has announced that he's retired. He posted that little picture of himself with the uh, CBS jacket. Sport coat, yeah. The sport coat with the little logo on there and saying he's got to dress up and whatnot. Well, Tony, you should start shaving as well because the guy always looks like he's been living out of his the back seat of his Ford Bronco for about three weeks. I like the scruffy look. He hasn't seen a freaking mirror. I mean, well, they're going to tell him to shave because he's going to be on national TV. Um, and and I'm not going to lie, I kind of I kind of roll with the scruffy look too. But I'm just saying, man. I mean, I don't I don't go that far with it. I mean, he doesn't he hasn't seen a razor in months. Anyways, uh, uh, yeah. So I think there's a chance he comes back. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is be. You know, Dallas wasn't going to just let him walk, I don't think, unless he retires. And and he retired, so then now Dallas has released him from his contract. So now, essentially here, Cole, he's retired. He hasn't officially announced his retirement. It's not like he has a press conference and completely turned in his paperwork. So, yes, while he says he's retired, and yes, Dallas released him from their contract, he's essentially a free agent right now. And so there is a chance he does play. Um, I think right now, if you were to put some percentages or something on it, I, I think it's probably, I don't know, 20, 25% chance he plays, but that's still a pretty good chance. I think yeah. Houston would be stupid if they didn't try because who's Houston going to have now? I mean, they're not going to get Romo. So, uh, you know, and Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a football team to play for. And that's other than them two, yeah, that's another. And, and other than them, than them two guys, there really isn't any other decent free agent quarterbacks out on the market. I think they could, because uh, they still probably have a few Brockweiler jerseys. They could just uh, get one of the fans, put on a Brockweiler jersey, and he'll play just as well as Brockweiler did last season. They'll be fine. Two of them one, <laughs> in one segment. Yeah, that's pretty good. Two in one segment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're probably right. He he was not not too oh, sharp Cap, for them. Though? Yeah, because uh, I was on the train of got to see where Romo goes, and then Cap will go to the other team that needs one. So now that Romo isn't going anywhere, this is kind of tricky for Cap because now no one can really use that excuse or like, oh, we were just waiting on Romo. Now, if they really yeah. want a quarterback that's actually good which Colin Kaepernick is, uh, they shouldn't have any problem getting him. Yeah, he's out there. Uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. He, he, he's yeah. got to get signed. I mean, come on. <sighs> I, uh, we'll we'll see. There's no, <laughs> there's, there's no excuses now as far as that goes. Like you said, Romo's not going right. to play. So if you're trying to get a veteran quarterback, there's that's the guy. It, But, you know, let's look at, as far as all time here, I know it's a little early, but just, you know, just how good was Tony Romo? I think his career is going to be overshadowed by a lot, but the one thing about Tony Romo was, is that he was pretty darn good on the road. He he holds the record for touchdown passes consecutively with 41. It's kind of an unusual stat, but he holds that record. He's fourth all time in NFL history and career passer rating, which is interesting. The only three players ahead of Tony Romo are Aaron Rodgers, who's number one, 
the GOAT, according to you guys, our listeners of the Coach and Cole Show, you voted Aaron Rodgers, the greatest quarterback of all time. Russell Wilson, interesting. And then Tom Brady. So right there, number four is Tony Romo. Um, so that's, that's kind impressive. of crazy that they all play in the same era. That not that? It is. It really is. And especially due to the fact that uh, if you compare eras, I mean, they throw the ball so much more than they used to. So the fact that they're putting the ball in the air, you know, almost double what they used to, you would think that these ratings would go down, but that's hasn't really been the case. But I think what's going to overshadow Tony Romo's career, Cole, is that he never got it done in the playoffs. He never two threw playoff for, wins. two playoff wins. He never threw for over 300 yards in a postseason game. He never threw for more than two touchdowns. He had, again, he had a decent rating. He had an 8-2 to two touchdown interception ratio. But again, like you just said, he was 2-4 and four in his postseason appearances. But my thing... My thing has always been QB wins isn't a thing. So it's kind of contradictory, but when you just look at that, just playoff success, it's just, it isn't there. Exactly. Um, and I'm, I'm with you as far as that goes. You cannot put the win loss solely on the quarterback. Can you, if he throws a pick six with one minute to go? Sure. But you can't when the defense allows a late-game field goal or something of that nature. And for yeah. some reason, for some reason in the NFL, uh, the view of the public, you know, what gets talked about is the quarterback. Like you said, it's just not there. I mean, he never really had a game where you went, wow, Tony Romo led the Cowboys to victory. You can argue that in 2014, the Cowboys maybe – should have won a game against the Green Bay Packers. And then who knows what would well, have maybe happened. Maybe Ted caught it. Maybe. Well, if he did or he didn't, it doesn't matter because the record books say Dez dropped it. Right. That's right. And Dallas goes on to lose to the Green Bay Packers 26-21. But, Cole, let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> Romo doesn't belong in the same category as Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Dan Marino, John Elway, Johnny Unitas. Brett Favre, or even Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, he doesn't belong there. But as far as an all-time great as a Cowboy, I think he does. And then you've got the conversation between Staubach, Aikman, or Romo. And I think most Cowboy fans who have been around a while, I don't want to call you fans old, but who have been around a while, will say Staubach right away. The younger fan may say Romo just because they didn't see Aikman or Staubach play, or if they did see Aikman, they didn't see much. Statistically speaking, yeah, absolutely. Romo owns pretty much every category, statistical category, as far as a quarterback can have in a Cowboy uniform. All three of these guys never played for another team, which I think is interesting because you look at guys like Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Joe Montana, the list goes on, that were great quarterbacks, but didn't end up staying with one team their whole career. And so that's interesting in itself. You know, Romo never got it done. Staubach won two Super Bowls. Aikman won three. But I think the most impressive thing about this, Cole, is the fact that Staubach started his career at age 27, while Aikman and Romo started their careers at age 23. 
because Staubach was attended the Naval Academy, as most people know. But not only did he go to school there, he actually served a tour in Vietnam before he became an NFL rookie. So the fact that he was able to accomplish what he did at the age of 27 with his surrounding cast, I think Thabuk as the number one quarterback in Cowboys history, in my opinion, you can't say Troy Aikman is the greatest quarterback in Cowboys history because if you look at the team he had around him, and, I, and I'm not going to say that Aikman and Tom Brady are on the same level, but it's very similar to what Tom Brady has had surrounding him in his career. Great defense, and no matter who the players are, they were great around Tom Brady. Now, Aikman, of course, had Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, Moose Johnson. You know, the list goes on. But I think, and, and I don't know if you agree with this, Cole, but I think Romo statistically is the greatest cowboy of all time, but I think he doesn't really compare even to Staubach. I'd go Staubach, Romo, Aikman. I think I would agree. I think I would agree. And again, the quarterbacks have it tougher than the other positions because if the signal caller, if he doesn't get a ring, he's not considered elite. And I think you and I, everyone knows our stance on that. Fair or not, it's just it, the bottom line for Tony Romo is, Cole, when it mattered most, the Cowboys just couldn't, couldn't get it done with Tony Romo under center. And I think that's going to that's gonna follow his legacy, whether it's, it's just the way it's going to be. So. Yep. We'll have to we'll have to see if Romo ever comes back and plays another NFL game. I would say it's about a 25% chance. It's possible, but I think he likes to golf and and like I say, he's buddies with Jim Nance. They're pretty good friends. And so I think that's got a lot to do with this. And so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Moving on here from Romo uh, I, I really wanted to talk about this because this is just <laughs> this was just really something. Lance Stevenson, a couple nights ago, makes his return with the Indiana Pacers. And those of you who saw it, I, I thought it was kind of funny. But those of you who saw it, uh, the Pacers are running away with the game. And Stevenson, again, like I say, making his return to Indiana. And the crowd's sort of giving him a, a standing ovation, you know, at this time. And and most times during an NBA game or an, a basketball game, for that matter, the guy with the ball at the end of this game kind of just dribbles it out, and and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't happen in this case because <laughs> uh, Stevenson decides to take it to the hole and go up for a quick layup. Uh, again, against the Raptors, they didn't take lightly to it. They actually, th- the inbounder throws the ball across the court at Stevenson. And then DeMar DeRose and PJ Tucker get right into his face. He kind of walks it off. He, 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 you know, walked away after, after the game, he apologizes saying that he was just too amped up. He was just too amped up. And so instead of just letting the ball, you know, just dribbling the ball out and ending the game as they had already taken it to the, to the Raptors, he decides to dump a little salt into the wound. And Toronto didn't take lightly to it. 
So they called it tasteless and classless. And before I comment on what I think about this, Cole, I'd like to get your opinion on this because I, I just I thought it was hilarious. What do, what do you think about this? Yeah, I don't really give a shit. I thought it was great. I don't care. Like, it's not one of those things where where you run up the score necessarily. It's not like they're shooting threes with 30 seconds left with, you know, they're up by 20. But uh, earlier this season, Raptors forward, uh, Norman Powell, um, they're up by like 25 on the 76ers. And he goes down the lane and uh, does a windmill dunk. So don't tell me about someone else being classless when you did the same shit earlier this season. Um, exactly. And that was like the slowest layup I've ever seen. They, it was. You got behind the defense, which, I mean, you can at least like stay in front of him if you're the Raptors so he doesn't do that. Because um, if you impede his, his movement a little bit, I don't feel like he's going to try and go around you with 10 seconds left. Um, but no one was in front of him and he's like walking. He's like, he's like fast walking and he just like barely lays it up there. And they had a problem with it. Exactly. And that's my whole point. About play some defense. Well, okay. Play some defense. And it's kind of one of those unwritten rules, Cole, you know, it's in basketball, there's a few unwritten rules and that's one of them. You know, the, the game's over. You, he dribbled it out, and the Toronto guys were saying, well, we were giving him his moment. They were standing back, letting him dribble the ball out, giving him his moment. Well, that's all fine and good. But, again, like you just said, you can't take offense to something that you did yourself earlier in the year. It's okay if yeah. you do it, but it's not okay if somebody else does it to you. Like yeah, yeah, you want to talk about running up the score. Yeah, I mean – so I, I don't feel bad for Toronto whatsoever, and I, I thought it was great. And I think in this case, Lance Stevenson is actually right when he said, if this was – it's it's bigger because it was me. And I think he's right. I mean, because he's got kind of a reputation to be one of them crazy guys. I mean, he kind of reminds me of another former Indiana Pacer and Ron Artest, kind of just that wacky guy yeah. who who always has controversy surrounding him. And that's kind of the way he rolls. But, I mean, seriously, nothing wrong with that. They're already killing him. They're, they're ready to go home. The guys, he didn't throw it down. He didn't throw it down, pound his chest, and, and get in anyone else's face. He laid the ball in and walked away. Now, whether that's right or wrong, and, and your feelings on the unwritten rule in basketball is one thing, but to me – the Raptors have no right to say anything about that because they did the same thing already this year. Correct. Do I have uh, time to uh, hit up the headlines real quick? A real quick run through before we get to that. I think we had a, we had a poll out uh, a Twitter poll oh, this yeah, week yeah. on this question. Was Lance Stevenson in the wrong? And in the listeners agree. They said, no, give me a break. 82% of the votes. So Stevenson, I think you're. I think he he was fine. I mean, in certain circumstances that wouldn't be okay. In that circumstance, it was all right. And, and as far as the Raptors go, I don't feel bad. Cole, you want to hit up some real quick NBA uh, headlines from the past week, um, and then we've got to move on and, and shift gears a little bit. Yep. Uh, okay. So the season ends this upcoming Wednesday. Uh, two games separate the fifth seed and the ninth seed in the East. So these last three or four games for those for those teams 
means a lot in the seeding and if they're in the playoffs or not. The West, however, is pretty much set except for the eighth spot. Portland has a game and a half over Denver. Uh, the NBA Awards show, first year that they're doing this, uh, and it's going to be after the finals, which is weird. So we're going to find out who the MVP is after the finals, but apparently the awards uh, voters, the votes get in before the playoffs, but I just think that's weird. Uh, ben Simmons, I just saw this. He grew two more inches, so he's up to seven feet tall. Kid broke his foot because he put on 40 pounds in about, like, five months because that's really unhealthy for you. Uh, so he's growing more, so great for him. He's probably never going to play. Him and Joel Embiid can just hang out all day. Um, <laughs> LeBron, earlier this week, said he's the wrong person to ask about a regular season game, and then he shit all over Boston. So that was great. thought that was hilarious. Uh <laughs> is putting a bigger uh, – separating from Boston for that number one seed, Cleveland. Oh, and Ty Lue said nobody's dressing for the rest of the season until they lock up the one seed. Uh, Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Dennis Rodman says MJ never rested, which is weird because he took a year and a half off to play baseball. Uh, And then Charles Oakley (laughs) says that Rodman wasn't a tough guy. Uh, He called him out for wearing a wedding dress. And then Steve Kerr also chimed in saying that Rodman uh, sat 15 games a year due to suspension. So he shouldn't be talking about it. And that's your uh, week in NBA, basically. Yeah, quick little recap there. Thanks, Cole. Uh, You're welcome. If we, had, if we had more time in the show, we were going to dive into some of that stuff. We just don't have the time this week. And, and, and because we've got a jam-packed show, we've got to shift gears a little bit here after the NBA talk, and we're going to shift over to the other winter sport. And, and that's a sport that takes Early? place mostly <laughs> – takes place mostly up north uh, when you're a kid, but all over the nation in the NHL. And we're going to shift over into the NHL. And, and we've got uh, a guest this week to talk about it. He's from the Hockey Writers Network, and he's the co-host of Beyond the Blade. And we're going to bring him on. It's, it's Chad DiDominicus here. Can you hear us, Chad? Yeah, I can hear you guys. How you doing? Good, hey, Chad, really good, you? really good. All right, well, before we get into the NHL playoffs, Chad, you're the host of Beyond the Blade, and it's a podcast on the Hockey Writers Network. And you guys cover everything that is Buffalo Sabres. And they're not going to be participating in the NHL playoffs this year, but, but Jack Echo has, has really developed into the star we thought he was going to be. Uh, Evander Kane has had some bright spots. And then Rasmus Ristolainen has, has really shown he can be quite the workhorse. But what I wanted to ask you here, Chad, was, was is Buffalo paid Kyle Ak- Akpozo a boatload of money this offseason? And he's not traveling with the team right now, and he is in neuro ICU. So, can you tell us anything about his status? This is kind of a weird situation because we really don't know what's going on. So, can you tell us anything about his status and what exactly is going on with him? Yeah, and the latest is um, he's actually he was dismissed um, or released from the hospital today, so that's good news. Uh, but at this point, there hasn't been anything beyond that exactly what is ailing him, what the illness is. He suddenly fell ill, I think it was last Tuesday, the 28th, and they were supposed to play Columbus. Uh, he missed that game. Everyone thought it was a flu, but he hasn't played since then. And then, you know, he ends up in the ICU, and that's, you know, the neurosurgical ICU, which is a scary stuff. And that's brain injuries. So nothing has been released. The good news is he's been released from the hospital, but I don't think we'll know anything until after the season or until a pulse gives the green light because with the HIPAA laws, the team really can't say much, and then 
you know, the doctors aren't going to give you much either for reporters who are asking. Yeah, exactly. And that's really not something we're used to dealing with as far as in, in, in the world of sports, because these teams have to uh, disclose what the injuries are, but something of this nature where he's in a hospital in a neuro ICU, this is a different situation. So something we're not used to seeing and, 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 and good luck to him. Hopefully he's, he's all right. And, and gets to join the team next season. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I mean, we'll see what the outcome is. I mean, at this point, I'm not too worried about next season unless, you know, they come out saying it's some stroke or a blood clot, then, then you have some issues there, but you know, hopefully it's maybe just kind of scary. Maybe like a meningitis type deal, but you know, I guess we'll find out. Cause he had a really good season and they missed him a lot. He was out before the sickness with, you know, a few broken ribs. So they, he was out about three or four weeks and they missed him a lot. The goal scoring dip without him. So they, they really need him back, especially if they give him that big contract. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's get into what we're, we're looking at here for the 2017 NHL playoffs. And, and let's start on your side of the country there, the Eastern Conference. We've got two matchups already set. That's the Montreal Canadiens against the New York Rangers. And then we've got the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, so starting with the Canadiens Rangers, what are you expecting out of this series? And do you think it's going to come down to goaltending between the two horses, Carey Price and the King uh, Henrik Lundqvist? You know, it's uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I thought the Rangers were going to walk away with this series pretty easy. I mean, they even had a nice point lead on the Canadians, but looking at it now, Montreal actually now has more points than New York. Um, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, Price and Lundqvist are two of the best goalies in the league. From a team-wise perspective in depth, New York, I believe, has Montreal, and it's not really even close. Uh, the Rangers can roll four lines of speed and scoring. It's just if they're going to get that type of scoring. I mean, Jimmy Vesey's kind of died out here after a hot start. Uh, Rick Nash has always been a guy who's struggled in the playoffs, but they rely a lot on. And then defensively, you know, Montreal is the better team, but we'll see how Shea Weber's injury is if it's really that serious. And for the Rangers, you know, defense has really been their, I guess you could say their crutch all season. They've really struggled. Outside of McDonough, there's not a lot there defensively. So it, it's going to be a closer series than I thought it would be initially. But I still think at the end of the day, unless Montreal or Carey Price stands on his head, I just think the Rangers are a deeper team and they're more experienced. And I, I think they'll – I think it'll be a long series, six or seven, but I, I think the Rangers will win that one. Yeah, it should be good. You know, it's going to be a goaltending battle, I think, with those two guys. Like you mentioned, I mean, those guys are, are, are two of the best goaltenders in the league. And it could come down to who plays the better series. But I think you're right. I think New York on paper – is the better team through and through they're deeper. Um, they go, you know, a few lines deep, whereas Montreal really, you know, has the Pacioretty line and, and Brandon Gallagher really hasn't played up to snuff this year, considering what we saw last year out of him. So, um, right. but defensively, defensively, yeah, Montreal's better. And, and it's going to be a good one to see how that turns out. Um, as, as far as the Penguins and Blue Jackets goes, these two teams met three times this season. Pittsburgh won two of the three. Two of the games, there were five or more goals scored, and I'm anticipating this to be not about goaltending like the previous series here, but it's going to be about who can score more goals. Is, is that what you're seeing uh, play out in this one? Well, I mean, first off, I, I think it's it's a shame the way the NHL does their playoff format now that one of these two teams are going home in the first round because these are two of the best teams in the league, but one's going to go home. Yeah. Um, and that's just the, the way the new format is. But, you know, it's it's interesting. You said, you know, the goalies, you know, aren't to be that big of a factor when, but if you take a step back and look at it, 
you know, Matt Murray's a really good goaltender. He led Pittsburgh to the Stanley Cup last year. And then Sergei Bobrovsky for Columbus, he's arguably going to be the Vesna winner this year. So, True. yeah, sure. I mean, you have Crosby, you have Melkin, you're going to have, you know, guys in Columbus, too, that could put the puck in the net. So, yeah, it'll be a high-scoring series. You would think that, but with those two goaltenders, it could also be a low-scoring series. I think it's going to be a physical series. I think it's going to be tight. These two teams played a few years ago when Columbus snuck in, and, you know, Pittsburgh was a high seed, and they really pushed Pittsburgh to the end and even even kind of scared Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh barely walked away with it. I think the biggest thing here is that Pittsburgh is not going to have Chris Letang. He's out for the rest of the season with the yeah. uh, next surgery he's going to get. And they're already short defensemen. Sure, they're going to get some guys back, but Ole Mata hasn't played in a couple months. He'll be back. But, you know, throwing those guys back in when – and they've been out that long in the back of the playoff series, it'll be really tough for Pittsburgh. I still think Pittsburgh, at the end of the day, gets out of this series because I just – I know Columbus has put up the points, but I just still don't think they're that deep of a team. Unless Bobrovsky stands on his head and guys yep. like Wierenski and Jones on defensively are excellent, I still think Crosby and Melkin and that offense in Pittsburgh is just too much in the experience too. Yeah, I think the experience, like you said, is going to be really something. And, and good point. Bobrovsky was, has been great all year. He's probably going to win that trophy. You know, and Columbus really has been struggling as of late. They haven't been the team that they had been. They've had to shake up some lines a little bit here and there. And, and so we'll see how it goes. Should be a fun one. Um, we're talking with Chad Dominicus here, coaching Cole Show, Blog Talk Radio. Let's shift over to the Western Conference. There's eight teams are set. We've got the Blackhawks, Wild, Blues, Predators, and the Central, and we've got the Ducks, Oilers, Sharks, and Flames. It, it looks like it's going to be a matchup between the Flames, who are going to get the wild card, and they're going to get the Anaheim Ducks. And the, the Ducks have been pretty much red hot in the month of, uh, through the later part of March and into April here. Do the Flames really have a shot at all to win that series if that's who they get? No, I don't think so. I mean, the other thing is, too, is, I don't have the number in front of me, but I don't think they've won in Anaheim. And I want to say the number is up to like five, six, even seven years. They have not won a game in Anaheim. Wow. I mean, you're going to have to win three games at least in Anaheim, and they haven't won one in that long. John Gibson is really going right now. Uh, I mean, Perry and, Perry and Getzlaff struggled last year in the playoffs, and they've had a tough season this year. But they, I mean, Anaheim's got guys like Raquel. Uh, Patrick Eads has been a great addition, and they brought him over. Defense in Anaheim. I mean, they're going to be without Fowler probably for a few games of this, which is a big loss for them. But, I mean, they're just – they're young and deep with Montour and Manson, who have stepped up this year. And, I mean, don't forget about Ryan Kessler, too. I mean, give Calgary credit. They're a young team. They started off slow. But, I mean, you know, Johnny Goudreau is a good hockey player. So is Monaghan. I, I just think Anaheim is too much. I, I, I think they kind of – a lot of players are going to feel the pressure, too. They have to get out of this round. For Anaheim, looking at a lot of changes this offseason. But I think Anaheim at least gets out of this round. Uh, beyond that, I, I don't know. I, it, it's tough when they're on paper they're that good of a team and they're that hot. But come playoffs on the Ducks, that's never seen to put it together. Yeah, that's true. Like you said, on paper, they're really something. They're deep. They go three three lines deep. There's no doubt about it. They've got the star power. They've got their physical tough team, good defensively. They're good all the, all the way around. And I don't think the flames are going to have a chance. Like you say, I agree with you there. Uh, Minnesota and St. Louis, uh, they look like they're going to be matched up. 
looked like St. Louis was packing it up when they fired Ken Hitchcock, had problems there, and then they traded franchise defenseman Kevin Shattenkirk away. And the Blues have actually played their best hockey of the year with Mike Yo at the helm and without Shattenkirk. So who would have thought that? A month ago, we would have never thought we were going to be asking this question, but Chad, do you think the Blues can upset the Wild in this series? I think it comes down to one thing, and that's what they're going to get at Jake Allen in that. Dubnik has been great all year long. Uh, he has struggled as of late, and so has Minnesota. You know, Minnesota's playing really well, and then now they've been playing pretty poor. I don't think they're as good as they were early. I don't think they're as bad as they've been playing as of late. And there's someone in the middle there. Um, Minnesota, they have a lot of experience. Ryan Suter, Parise has had a great year, but, you know, he's he's been in these moments. Uh, they've both been to – well, Parise at least has been to a Stanley Cup final. You know, it, it, it's going to be a good series, but I really think it all comes down to is what the Blues are going to get in that. Uh, they're good defensively. Um, you know, Terrace Angle is one of the best scorers in the league, and that guy can get really hot and carry a team in a round. Uh, but I, I think a lot of this is going to fall on Jake Allen. And, you know, beyond that, if, if they don't get at least equal or pretty good goaltending to what they're going to face with, against Dubnik, I, I think the Blues could be in for a short series. But if they get the goaltending, they, they could surprise the people and beat Minnesota. Yeah, and, and exactly. And and then, of course, you've got the fact that Mike Yo coached in Minnesota for quite a few years. How right. much does something like that matter, in your opinion, when a coach previously was with a team that he's coaching against in a playoff series? You know, I mean, Yo has been, it's been a couple of years since he's been out of Minnesota, so there's some new players in there. I think, if anything, if you're going to see that type of situation, you're going to see that maybe with Todd McClellan in Edmonton against San Jose. Yeah. Uh, he's been out of San Jose for a couple of years, but it's a lot of the same players in San Jose. We're here in Minnesota. There's some of the same guys, but it's different. I don't think in that series is going to make that much of a difference. Uh, but if you're going to look at that type of scenario, I think you're going to see that in Edmonton uh, with against the Sharks because McCullough knows how to shut some of those guys down. Thornton, say what you want, he's going to play, but he hurt himself at the end of the year. He's not going to be 100%. San Jose has really struggled down the back end here, and Usually the way it works out in most of these playoff series is the team with the best player wins. And Connor McDavid is either number two or number one in the league, depending who you talk to right now. And that team is rolling in Edmonton. And if I'm San Jose, I am really scared about that matchup. Yeah, no doubt. That that kid is scary good. And, and he's a player, like you said, that could carry a team through a series. And that that's going to be an interesting to watch too. And obviously we've got to touch on the Washington Capitals and they get Shattenkirk <laughs> from St. Louis at the deadline. Like we, like we mentioned, this team is just st- scary. Good. They're probably the most talented team in the NHL, but they've never won a Stanley cup. And, and Chad, the question is, and a lot of Washington fans are wondering, is this their year? You know, I, I think it's, if it's not this year, when is it ever going to be their year? I mean, look, look at the, <laughs> Look at look at the luck they're getting. They're probably going to get Toronto. I think they escape a awful scenario of getting the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is still possible. Tampa Bay is winning right now, so they're going to be within one point of Toronto. Uh, and, and Toronto has Pittsburgh and Columbus out the last two games. I mean, they're going to rest some players, but still, it's not an easy matchup. But I think if they don't get Tampa Bay, uh, if they get the Toronto, the Islanders, they'll be fine. If they get Tampa Bay with a healthy Stamkos and healthy Tyler Johnson, they could be in trouble in the first round. But other than that, I think they'll roll to the first round. You know, it, it, it's that second round. But they're getting some breaks. I mean, Pittsburgh's going to be without Latang. So if you get them in the next round, which that would be their matchup, um, you know, that's a good break. 
And then, you know, the Atlantic division, I think is the the weakest, maybe the weakest division in the league. And if you get whoever comes out of there, I think you're in good shape. Now, once you hit the Western conference and the Stanley Cup final, if you get there, maybe that's a different story. But if Washington can't put it together this year, from talking to some people that I know who cover the Capitals is, there's only been two guys that have been the staple during these struggles in the playoffs. And that's Backstrom and Ovechkin. Now, it'd be hard to believe that Capitals ever move from Ovechkin, but if they go out early in round one or round two, it's very possible we could see them move a guy like Backstrom to shake some things up. And even Barry Trapp could be in trouble too. So it's a big, big series and big playoffs for the Capitals for all those players in that roster. I think they need to at least get to the conference finals to get some of the pressure off of them and even keep that team together and keep that coach there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting thought there. I mean, you never really think of, uh, of a, a guy like Backstrom being moved ever, but I think you're right. If they don't, if they don't get there to the Stanley cup or at least the fi- uh, conference finals, like you mentioned, uh, they're, they're definitely going to have to shake things up because like you said, if it isn't this year, when is it going to be? And, and those, I feel for those fans in Washington because they've had talented teams over the years. And they just never been able to get it done. And, and they might have, the path to getting to the Stanley Cup Finals this season. There's no doubt about it. Cole, before we let Chad run, did you have anything you wanted to ask him? Uh, yeah, just one question. Uh, I know a lot of listeners probably know that I don't know shit about hockey or baseball <laughs> for that matter. Uh, I just had one question, though, Chad. Uh, with your last name, are you Greek or are you Italian? <laughs> it's actually Italian. Good, good. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had. <laughs> all right. Hey, he's Italian, and, and he's Chad Dominicus. They can he find your work at, ho- at thehockeywriters.com. You're the co-host of Beyond the Blade podcast. Where can they find you on Twitter, Chad, and where can they find your show? Uh, it's at C underscore D Dominicus. Um, I don't want to try to spell it. It's D-E-D-O-M. I-N-I-C-I-S-10. And then you can find us uh, on the Hockey Writers Podcast uh, Network, thehockeywriters.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, uh, I think it's all, TuneIn, pretty much anywhere you come to a podcast, we'll be there. You can find us. All right, cool. look them up. It's a, it's a great show. If you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, there's no doubt in my mind you're going to want to uh, take a listen to that podcast. It's great. Chad does great work, so go ahead and and look him up. And, and Chad, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, I think I think I actually learned something listening to him. Really? Which rarely rarely ever happens when someone tries to talk to me about hockey. Yeah, I mean, you can tell he knows his stuff, stuff, and that's that. Yeah, that's why we want to have him on, and 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 I think, you know, if you're a hockey fan, like I said, check him out, hockeywriters.com. He does great stuff. Beyond the Blade podcast is 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 awesome. I, I'm not a Sabres fan, but I'll tell you what, I listened to a few episodes to to get a little bit familiar with him, and and I'll tell you what, they do a great job over there, and so it's definitely worth a listen, and and hopefully. You know, as the playoffs roll on here, we can have him back and, and, and chat with him some more because I think that was a great conversation. And, and I've been getting a lot of requests from our listeners, Cole, to talk a little bit more hockey. And and I know I think that oh, has blah, to do blah. with the 
<laughs> I I know that has to do with the region and where we're where we're we're out of because we have a, a really good listener base in the upper Midwest and, and I understand that yeah. and hockey's big up here. And so that's part of it. But I think the NHL playoffs and, and of course the NBA playoffs, those both sports really have it figured out when it comes to the playoffs because the the tension's thick, every possession matters. Um, you know, it, it's just great stuff. And, and whether it's hockey, whether it's basketball, it's going to be fun to watch this, this, uh, this spring into the summer here and, and see how this unfolds. So hopefully we can have Chad back, talk to him some more about it. Cause that was some great conversation. Um, we're right on schedule here, Cole, which hardly ever happens, but that's perfect. So let's move yep. on to our next, our next subject. And that is the fact that another former guest of the coach and Cole show, Don Jackson, has in fact re-signed with the Green Bay Packers. So yeah. that's, that's great news. Let's give him a round of applause. That's great news because uh, he definitely deserves it. Uh, he's the third running back on the roster now. It's him, Montgomery, and Michael. And Cole, I honestly think they've got a nice one-two-three punch there. I mean, I don't really that's- see. I mean, everybody's, you know, really upset. Packer fans around, are, and, and even, you know, analysts and everything all over the country are saying Green Bay needs a running back. Green Bay needs a running back. I, I don't see the need. Do you? I honestly don't think we need Aaron Rodgers. I think we got the three running backs, and we can uh, set them all three up in the backfield, and then even four with Ripkowski. Do we need a quarterback? Don't think we do. Put a four running back. <laughs> I like the idea of it. Uh, <laughs> I I don't think so. If anything, we'll get like a later round guy or an undrafted free agent, which we always seem to pick up on offense and, and does well. I think Rogers masks a lot of any uh, any bad shit. I can't think of anything uh, what the word is, but this masks masks the uh, the problems that we have on offense. Um, but with those three and then Ripkowski, I don't, I don't feel bad about the backfield. I like it. I, I do too. I mean, it, it, yeah. And that's another guy. We don't really mention Ripkowski because he's a fullback, but he's a great short yardage guy. You, you got, yeah. you got Montgomery. I'm not sure what he did to, to really kind of piss off the Packer nation. But for some reason, they've got absolutely no faith in this guy, and and he he was great. I mean, he's got great vision. He's a one cut guy, up and down, north south, whatever you want to call he's it. Very patient. He's very patient, and and let's face it, he was a wide receiver. He's got great hands and can run the screen game, just as good as anyone in the NFL. And that's what Green Bay is all about is the, is the short West Coast style type stuff. I mean, yes, they do spread yeah. it out a lot with Rodgers at the helm, but that screen game is their bread and butter, and he's the perfect guy to run it. So you got him, you spell him with Kristen Michael, who's that slasher, quick pound guy, one cut downhill runner. I really like him. And then they've got the hidden gem, Don Jackson, who was a guest of the show. And and this guy's the real deal. And and I'm telling you, there's a reason why they re-signed this guy. I mean, it, it's not – there's only three running backs on the roster. And if you think that, that, you know, that's not saying something of them bringing him back, I mean, hey. Now, there's rumors that Adrian Peterson is still on the Packer radar. 
And if he will accept a $5 million per year offer, the Green Bay will sign him. Do you see that happening? Wow. If he accepts it? I mean, shit. Yeah, why wouldn't we? For $5 million a year, why would you not pick up Adrian Peterson from any team? I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. That's the latest I've seen. Five, if, uh, from reports that I've seen is Green Bay will sign Adrian Peterson if he accepts a $5 million contract. Now, I've also seen things that New England had him over there for a visit, and it wasn't just a visit. They put him through a tryout. Yeah, um, he's going to New Orleans this week. And he's going to New Orleans this week. Um, yeah, so, you know, we'll see where he ends up. But apparently, according to reports, he's still on Green Bay's radar. I think, you know... I. I say no. I say we don't need him. I, I really don't. I like the three guys we have. If we pick up another guy in the draft, um, you know, what about John Crockett? He could be a, a nice practice squad addition, a guy that could have some fill some depth if we need it due to injury. I think he was a great player. I think he's battling some sort of injury. They didn't, uh, you know, uh, give him an exclusive rights tender or anything like that, so he's a free agent as far as I know. Uh, he showed some promise. I mean, he played really well in that game against Detroit. I believe it was Detroit. So, I don't know. We'll see where that goes. Um, the other big news out of Green Bay is, Cole, is that Aaron Rodgers and Olivia Munn have split up. And I believe right. this was a, a, I, mutual, a mutual part. Yeah, they split up amicably, which... You know, you say that, and it really ever is true. But apparently, a good source said that, uh, like a somebody who's close to both of them. Um, I immediately went into her DMs just to see, you know, if maybe she wanted to talk about it. Uh, I haven't gotten any uh, response yet from her, <laughs> but <laughs> thanks, Chris. Uh, a lot of people say that Rogers' problems in the beginning of the year and last year were coming from having a relationship with Olivia Munn. So I'm assuming that all these people think that we're going to go undefeated now. No, they're split up, jackasses. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I tweeted out that it, it's official. Green Bay is going to win the Super Bowl this year because there's yeah. no more distractions on his mind, and he's going to be right. full yeah, tilt yeah, yeah. boogie. <laughs> he's going to be full tilt boogie towards, uh, you know, taking Green Bay to the promised land. So they're no longer yeah, – I like, like Olivia Munn, you know. I, I'm going to be uh, honest with too. you. Me too. I, I really do. I, I thought they were kind of a cool couple, one of the cool celebrity couples. I don't know. But yeah, that's all right. Cole, maybe you got a shot, buddy. You know, I mean, hey, you're, you're, you're the co-host of the Coach and Cole show. I mean, that's, right. that's something in itself. I mean, there's no doubt about it that you got a shot just because you're the co-host of this show. And, and you, you've seen my Twitter. I'm really good at Twitter. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, if she's if she, I'm not sure how involved she is on Twitter, but if she's a if she's a Twitterer, if she's a tweeter, then I mean, she's gonna like what she sees over on your profile. There's no doubt. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into a little bit of a segment here that I think everyone's really going to enjoy. And and 
we were talking about this, and this was kind of cool for myself to to put this together. I guess. I mean, I didn't really want to think about this stuff again, right. but I but I did, and because of this, and and I think uh, I think the listeners are going to really enjoy this. So, what we're going to do here is we're going to go through our top three sports moments that if we could, we would take a time machine back and we would change the outcome or change what happened. And so, Cole, why don't you start us off? Now, let's go from, you know, from three to one. So we're going to save our, our number one, our top sport moment that we would change. We're going to save that, you know, towards the end. So we'll start with number three. And then we'll move up. So, okay. Cole, what's your number three sports moment that if you could, you would go back and change? All right. Well, my number three, I kind of cheated because I have a 3A and a 3B because it, it contains the same type of thing for me. Uh, 3A is Marshawn Lynch gets the ball on the one. Obviously, they win that Super Bowl. And 3B is Falcons run the ball in the second half, which – wins them the Super Bowl. <laughs> so basically what I'm saying is the Patriots don't win those last two Super Bowls because not because I hate the Patriots. I hate Patriots fans because they're stupid. But I hate the way that they won the games because they the other team just shit themselves and then Patriots just took advantage of it. So that's my number three. Am I going uh am I going all the way through or are you gonna go with your three? Nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my three now. So so Marshawn Lynch okay. getting the ball is your mm-hmm. number three. And interesting, Cole, that you know when I first thought of the these, these are these are in the Falcons, yeah. So you got a three A three B. But the interesting thing about this is Cole is that you chose something that really was just a general sports thing that bothered you. And when I when I dove into this segment, this question, it was stuff that was really near and dear to my heart basically towards my franchises. <laughs> so we, we did, we did this a little bit differently. So my number three is the green Bay Packers selecting Tony Mandrich mm-hmm. with the second overall pick in 1989. And the Packers select this guy thinking that he's going to be the greatest offensive lineman to ever play the game of football. And if I'm sure there's a lot of you that remember this guy, and if you've never heard of Tony Mandrich and you've never seen anything about him, go back and look him up. Okay. If you're it's, maybe too young, you don't remember. I don't, story. it is. And maybe if you haven't heard of him, it's just because you're too young. So get on a freaking computer and look it up. But if you were old enough, you obviously remember Tony Mandridge. You remember the Sports Illustrated cover of this Jack guy. He looked like a Greek god. And yeah. he looked like a, a mixture between, uh, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and the Incredible Hulk. And, and, and this guy Actually, the was going to... Actually, the cover of that, of that Sports Illustrated was the Incredible Bulk. B-U-L-K, there you go. Because you're so big. There you go. The incredible bulk. Perfect. I didn't even make that connection, but you're right. That is what it said. Yep. And six six three hundred and fifteen pound Tony Mandrich 
was considered the best offensive line prospect ever. And you've watched this guy in college, okay? He's taking he's he's blocking two guys at once. One arm here, one arm here. He's pancaking guys. He's driving guys 10, 15 yards at a time. The guy was a super freak. And it's quite obvious now why he was so freakish. The guy was completely jacked up on every steroid you could possibly get your hands on. Okay. Uh, the guy was, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I read that he was, he was injecting it all over his body and he was doing like four or five different types of steroids. So not just one. I mean, this guy was a walking freaking steroid basically. Yeah. And he would get out of these drug tests by taping a, a dog toy to his back that was full of clean urine, you know, like a squeaker toy. Mm-hmm. And then he would somehow tape that to his back and then you fill up the cup and then with a hose, you know, so the squeaker toy where the air would come out, he would put a hose in there, squ- squeeze that. And then the urine would come out into the cup and then to seal this up so it wouldn't drip through or whatever, he would just take a piece of chewing gum and stick it on the hose to seal it up. And then he would zip his stuff back up and out the door he came, clean urine, and nobody was the wiser. So that's how he got through all that. Now, in today's day and age, you can't do it that way anymore. I mean, they'll catch it, no doubt. But that's how he got through this. And here's what really hurts my heart about this, Cole. The Green Bay Packers take this guy. He's probably the biggest bust in the history of the NFL. I think Ryan Leaf is a good candidate maybe. But I think Tony Mandrich is the biggest bust in NFL history. They He's select him. Oh yeah, they select him over Barry Sanders and Deion Sanders. Mm. So what could have been for my beloved Green Bay Packers had they selected Barry Sanders? Can you imagine Brett Favre and Barry Sanders? Oh God. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh, Chris make another appearance. He is. So that's my number three. So what's your number okay. two, Cole? All right. So before I get to number two, uh, like you stated, mine aren't like specific to teams that I like, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, or teams that I root for. And I'm explaining why real quick. Duke, for even though like I wish they had won like games here or there, like they, I mean they have success. Not really going to change anything with that. Green Bay has success. I'm not really going to change anything. Like, yes, the Seahawks game, for instance, real heartbreaker. But, I mean, they still have success. Uh, who else do I like? Oh, the Badgers? I don't even consider them because I don't think anything ever happens to them. But the Wolves, I think just with this upcoming with Cat and everything, I feel good about it. So I'm not, I'm not doing anything with my teams. Uh, but my okay. number two is that in 2015 in the NBA Finals, uh, when Bron's basically doing it by himself because Kyrie Irving's injured and uh, Kevin Love is injured. Uh, I would go back and change that. He actually beats the Warriors. He leads the Cavs in, in winning the 2015 finals, and which starts the back-to-back finals wins over Golden State. So he goes back-to-back against Golden State, wins both of them. First year by himself, second year with Kevin Love and Kyrie. Um, and that just... Seals his, you know, like 
he'd obviously be a top two player of all time right there. But especially after that first one, because he did it by himself, and he almost did. But if he would have done mm-hmm. it, that would have sealed his, his fate as a top two player. Are you throwing up? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I was just puking after thinking about that. Well, yeah, because you're a hater. Because he sucks. <laughs> so you would you would you would make you would change the fact that you know 2015 the mm-hmm. Cavaliers win that series. Yep. So basically, Cole, you want LeBron to win every year. Mm-mm. I just for the haters, mostly LeBron haters. Um, I think that they would really enjoy it. I do it. I'm doing it for them. <laughs> like You're you doing would... it for them. It's not for you. It's yeah. for them. Yeah. All right. I mean, all I don't right. want to be. I, all this stuff is very unselfish of me, uh, especially that one. I that yeah. one's really for the for the haters out there. All right. All right, that's your number two, LeBron 2015, leading the Cavs to victory. Uh, my number two is going, well, not as far back as 1989, but back in 1996. And that's my St. Louis Blues when they brought in Iron Mike Keenan to be their head coach. Uh, I wish that never would have happened, and here's why. Not only did Keenan basically you know, dismantle the team that they had already built. He he brings in his own guys, Adam Creighton, Craig McTavish, uh, you know, these, 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 these guys that were his guys, quote unquote. Um, and then he just seemed to, to take joy in, in picking apart the team and getting rid of fan favorites. You know, they had a guy, Brandon Shanahan, Brandon Shanahan, uh, fan favorite, ultra popular forward went on to have a great career for some other teams, Detroit Red Wings, the the rival. Um, It turned out to be a good deal because they got a star, a future star in Chris Pronger, but he also sent Curtis Joseph, one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. You know, he, he traded him and traded in some other guys who went on to play for other teams and win Stanley cups. But the biggest reason of all, why I wish the Blues would have never hired Mike Keenan was in 1996, like I mentioned. The St. Louis Blues were able, and not for some reason this goes forgotten in sports history, the St. Louis Blues were able to make a trade with the Los Angeles Kings for Wayne Gretzky. Ooh. They trade for Wayne Gretzky, add him to the already great team they had and pair up Gretzky and Brett Hall, two of the greatest hockey players to ever play the game. And they absolutely had the talent to win it all that year. St. Louis has never won a Stanley cup and they should have done it that year. But if any of you out there that remember this, Toronto take a shot at their goaltender, Grant Fuhrer, which knocked him out of the of the, for the rest of the season. If that had not happened, there's a good chance that the Blues definitely would have won the Stanley Cup that year. But again, the biggest reason why I hate Mike Keenan and <laughs> wish this wouldn't have happened is Wayne Gretzky has gone on the record of saying that he wanted to finish his career as a St. Louis Blue. 
um, many many people who had players who had played for St. Louis go back and say that it's one of the most greatest organizations they've ever played for, for multiple reasons. But Gretzky said that he wanted to stay in St. Louis for the rest of his career and especially form one of the most amazing duos in NHL history with himself and Hall that were both in the prime of their careers. The reason that Wayne Gretzky didn't resign with the St. Louis Blues was because of one person, and that was Mike Keenan. He didn't like him as a head coach, and he didn't like him as a person, and that's why Wayne Gretzky didn't resign with the St. Louis Blues. And that's sort of what led to Brett Hall leaving town because Hall didn't like Keenan either. Wait. So both those guys play for the Blues? Absolutely. I did not know that. So that's why you like the Blues because you're a bandwagon fan, you chump. <laughs> no, there's no bandwagon about it. They've never even won the Stanley Cup. Um the yeah. the reason I as a St. Louis Blues fan is because at the time there obviously is is no hockey team in the state of Wisconsin where we're from. Um there also wasn't a team in Minnesota, but I wouldn't have liked a team out of Minnesota anyways because the North Stars had left town blah 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 blah. So really the next closest thing um, besides Chicago was St. Louis and Brett Hall was my favorite player. And I have a connection to Brett Hall. My mom was actually really good friends with his wife and Brett Hall has a connection to theme of the day, the university of Minnesota Duluth. And that's where he attended college and played for. Huh. So he, you would think I, I would know that. You should know that. I'm I'm not sure if he still has any property in Duluth, in the Duluth area, but he did at one time. And he also played um, in a lot of golf tournaments, celebrity things in the area. So that was why Brett Hall was my favorite player, and he played for St. Louis. So that was why St. Louis was my favorite team. But when that whole thing got broken up, I was heartbroken, and it's Mike Keenan's fault. So that's number two. That's the second sports moment that I would go back and change. So, Cole – Back over to you, and yeah. I want to know what your number one sports moment in history that you would go back and change is. All right, this one. Oh, okay. Um, this one is actually kind of near and dear to my heart because as a Wolves fan, and I've been a Wolves fan for years, uh, the Kings were actually the Sacramento Kings were actually my first my first love when it came to a, a basketball team because of Jason White Chocolate Williams was my favorite basketball player still is favorite basketball player of all time I emulate him in every aspect of my life every time I throw a piece of paper in the trash can it's going behind my back no doubt about it um, oh no that, that's not a rim shot I'm being serious um. <laughs> But I would go back and change the 2002 Western Conference Finals, Kings and Lakers. Um, and this can go into next week with the conspiracy theory because in the fourth quarter, uh, or was it the fourth quarter or the second half? I can't remember exactly, but I have to look up. I think it might have been the fourth quarter. The Lakers shot 27 free throws in the fourth quarter or second half. I can't remember, yeah, but let's just say fourth that. quarter. Um, and I remember I was watching in my parents' bedroom because they, they were watching something else on TV and they wouldn't let me watch it out there. 
And I was just, I was so, I can't describe the words, man. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it right now, but watching that game, it was just so, there was so much bullshit happening, and I just, I couldn't do anything about it. Um, And who knows if they would have beat the Nets in the finals. I'm assuming that they would have. Um. The, that Kings team was so fun to watch. I am still upset at them for trading away Jason Williams for Mike Bibby. Um, in 2002, they had Mike Bibby. Mike Bibby was clutch that whole series, though, so i got to give him that. But that would have been – that's my number one thing. If if I could have changed anything, that would have been that. Because who knows what would happen after that as far as the Kings getting split up later down the road. Maybe they would have stayed together for a few years. And I yeah, think that's, absolutely. A, that's just a giant what if in sports in yeah. general, especially the NBA, uh, what, what would happen if the Kings have, would have stayed together or, or won a ring or something. It's kind of like a, a Thunder's um, what if before the Thunder with James Harden, Durant, and Westbrook. Obviously, they didn't have a big three like that, but just the fact that they had that, that type of team that kind of like before D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni came with the, with the run and gun offense, they were just so fun to watch. They would, they were always running. Everyone on that team could pass. Uh, it was just really fun to watch. And yeah, I mean they had C. Webb and Peja Stojakovic and 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 you know Williams and then Bibby and 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 of course uh, I'm forgetting a guy. Vlade uh, Divac, Doug Divac. Christie, Doug Christie, Divac. Yeah. yeah, so that was yeah Turkoglu. <laughs> He's naming off the twelfth man. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, that was a fun team. team. Do you want me to go through the whole team right now? I'll do it real quick. No, I, I, I know you can do it. Let me do it. All right, let's hear it. 1 through 12, 2002 Sacramento right. Kings. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, there's no proof of this, but I'm not looking at anything. And I, I'm going to forget some people I know. So Mike Baby, Doug Christie, Hito Turkoglu actually started the Western Conference Finals. Uh, Chris Weber, Vladi Divac, Pejan Stojakovic, Bobby Jackson, Lawrence Funderburk, John Barry, Scott Pollard, and I'm missing two. That's all I got. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Thank you. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's 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 so a good memory. What's your what's I, your number one? Uh, well, I'm looking at it right now, and it's pretty obvious. All right. Well, maybe it's obvious for you, but it might not be obvious for everyone. So my number one sports moment that I would go back and change is. I would change the fact that Derek Rose injured his knee in 2012 in the NBA playoffs. That would be the number one thing that I would change. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, 2011, he wins the MVP. He's only 24 years old. He youngest player to ever do it. Absolutely, he should have. Are you kidding me? Leads the Bulls to a league-leading record, uh, record of 62-20, and 20, and and then ends up losing to LeBron, Wade, and Bosh in, in the big three there in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, they, they kind of swore revenge on that. 2012, they get back to the playoffs. They're playing great, and he's in the game late and ends up blowing his ACL, and there's about 
I don't know, two minutes left to go in that game. They're winning the game by 12. He should have not been in the game at that point, but he was. Um, you know, to quote Bulls broadcaster Stacy King, he was just he was too big, too fast, too strong, too good. And he was. I mean, he was he was amazingly fast. His first step was unmatched. Um, I still think Russell Westbrook. You know, I don't think so. I think you go back and look. I mean, obviously Russell 100%. Westbrook, what he's doing this year is unreal. Not taking anything away from him, but you look at Derrick Rose MVP season uh, during that time, and what he was able to do, and in, in his first step, and how quick he was. There's no telling, and it's like you just said too. It's a what if. There's no telling what would have happened with the Chicago Bulls and, and that whole yeah core core team if he doesn't get would hurt. Would Tibbs be the Wolf coach? Probably not. I don't think so. Um, and, and it's 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 amazing. It's amazing on how it ended up. And and then you know what happened to him afterwards. You know the whole thing of the you know how the media kind of came back on him. He didn't know how to handle it. You know he'd never been injured before like that. And some of the comments that he made in the to the media about well you know maybe I don't want to play. I want to be able to walk when I'm done playing. Things of that nature. I think things could have been handled a little bit differently. Um, but I think overall, considering his situation now and what's happened, I think he's, he's handled it pretty well. And again, now he's, it's just, it's just been like a domino effect. He just can't stay healthy. And I don't know. Now he's gone. He's in New York. He's going to be somewhere else. Next yeah. Year. He's done for the season. He's what's going to happen well, with him. I mean, we don't like, know. But from an MVP to a guy that can't stay healthy and because of the fact he can't stay healthy, his game is diminished over time and he just isn't what he once was. It's too bad. So that's my number one. Derek Rose, you know, one of my favorite basketball players to ever watch. The guy was just amazing. And it's just too bad what happened to him. So that's my number one. So that was our three sports moments that if we could go back in time and change, we would. I think that was kind of cool. So we're going to, do some more things like that in the future. I think it's kind of cool. Um, next week we're going to talk conspiracy theories. So that'll be interesting uh, moving forward. Sports conspiracy theories. So we got to kind of hustle and bustle here and going into the coach's corner this week, I wanted to talk about uh, some high school stuff and some headlines around the country. And that's the number one football team, high school football team in the country ranked Bishop Gorman head coach. Kenny Sanchez. Okay, they're the three-time Super Super 25 football champions. They're out of Las Vegas, Nevada. And he's been arrested for domestic battery. All right? Now, he claims it's not true. He says, and I quote, there's absolutely no truth to any of these allegations. He's 36 years old. According to the report, it was on Christmas Day. Um, Not that it's ever okay to put your hands on a woman, but the fact it's on Christmas Day makes it even worse, I guess. Uh, went to his former girlfriend's home to pick up their son. According to the report, he was very upset. I went to say goodbye to my son in the driveway. Uh, Brooke Jade Stewart wrote, who was the ex-girlfriend. Kenny came behind me and pulled my hair out of my head, punched me in the eye. As I was going down, he punched me in the side of my face and put his hands around my neck. He held me on the ground and ran to his car and drove away. Uh, he was named their head coach back in January 2005, who actually replaced his brother, 
who now is the head coach at UNLV. So they're doing big things there at Bishop Gorman. But I'll tell you what, if Kenny Sanchez is guilty of this, I think he's the biggest piece of trash walking the face of the earth because you're supposed to be a role model for all these kids. You're the head coach of this football program. And what kind of example are you setting, Kenny? Uh, First of all, it's a terrible thing to do something like you did and in front of your son, you piece of crap. Uh, Two, you know, it's, this is, you know, we, we talk about this all the time and why does it seem to be always related to football? Because this happens all over the country, not just football. But for some reason, it seems to be in the media with football. But this domestic violence stuff, and, you know, I, I don't know. We'll never, Colt, we'll never eliminate it because there's just something wrong with people. But for a guy like this in the position that he's in, it's supposed to be a role model for that community and for those players on his team, young men, or not, they're not even young men yet, but uh, that's just ridiculous. And so, I wanted to call him out and throw him in the coach's corner, put the hammer down on him. He said that's not true, but that's what they all say. We'll see how it turns out. From what I'm reading, uh, there's a good chance it's true. So he probably isn't going to be the head coach there for Bishop Gorman much longer. And if it is true, I hope they can him and throw him in a cell. So that's the coach's corner. That was kind of a rough topic. but uh, It it gets rough out there sometimes. It does get rough out there. And and sometimes you got to just lay lay down the law. So that's that's a deal. Kenny Sanchez, Bishop Gorman, head coach. Shame on you. You're in the coach's corner. All right. Now moving on to many people's favorite segment of the show, and it happens to take place at the end of the show. And that is today's questions for Cole. Yeah. Cole, I got five questions for you. And if you're unfamiliar with the segment, Cole is unbeknownst to these questions. He has no idea what's going to come at him, what's going to bounce off the dome. He's going to answer these questions off the top of his head with no prior knowledge. And whatever first comes to his mind, we've got a short amount of time. So here we go. Questions for Cole today on April 7th. We're prime time on Blog Talk Radio. Number one, what's your favorite movie? Starring Seth Rogen. Uh, favorite movie starring Seth Rogen. I think This is the End is probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, I remember you and I, and I feel like other people were there, uh, but we saw it in theaters, and that was the hardest I've ever laughed in the Oh, yeah. I think we went to it twice. Did we? I think so. We might have. I don't know. We might, but that movie it, that, is hilarious. Yeah, it is. I, I agree. That's that's mine, too. That that movie is something else. Okay, number two. Doritos or potato chips? Uh, Doritos. Also, Pineapple Express, right behind it on, on that first question. That just popped in my head. Yeah. But I'd go with Doritos. Yeah. I'm a Doritos guy. Uh, potato yeah. chips, they just, unless they're Ruffles, they don't really do it for me. Oh, Ruffles. God, I haven't had a bag of Ruffles forever. I might have to go pick up a bag. Uh, Doritos, he says. Okay, number three. And this was my number one on our previous list, but it's now number three on the questions for Cole. Coach and Cole show, is Derek Rose career over? I don't think so. I think he does come back, but 
I mean, he already wasn't a starting point guard quality. And mm. I know it sucks, but he he wasn't. And I don't. I think if he can get in his head that hey, I should come off the bench and just be a scorer. Don't worry about being a point guard. I think it'll help his game immensely. Going against second units where he just doesn't have to worry about distributing. He just put the ball in the basket and not have to worry about it. I just, but as a starting point guard, his career is over. But as a, a dude who just scores, I think he can still do some stuff for like 20, 25 minutes game tops probably. Okay, number four. Patrick Ewing was recently hired at his alma mater, Georgetown. Is this a good hire? Played there. He's a big uh, NBA name. I think it's a little late on the head coach thing. I, I think he, he's been in head coach talks for like 10 years. I like the hire. He said he wants to bring back the, uh, the rough and tough uh, Georgetown ways where people didn't want to play them. So I think that would be good for the program. Hopefully they can turn it around because lately they've been shit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I screwed up on this. Number five, and that's okay. I'm going to ask it anyways because we did cover it for a second earlier in the show. But number five okay. is, and this is just going to be a quick hit, I guess. We talked about Don Jackson and the Packer running backs a little bit ago. So question is, honest opinion, do you think Adrian Peterson signs with the Packers? I don't think he does, no. I wouldn't be opposed to him just because I don't think – for that five million, I wouldn't be opposed to signing anyone really for that of that caliber of talent, uh, but I don't think he does it. Okay, yeah, worth a shot for if the money's right. Um, yeah, if not, not a chance. Okay, I like it. Well, that's the questions for Cole today, and Thank this you. has pretty much been the show. We're down to the wire. Um, we were joined by Ty Sullivan, University of Minnesota Duluth football team. Amazing story. If you're if you're tuning in late. Please go back and check that out on iTunes or on TuneIn or, of course, on our Blog Talk radio feed if you missed it. Um, Just an amazing story and a great success story for everyone out there who's ever dealt with something similar to that. And then we we were joined by Chad Dinaminicus of thehockeywriters.com talking a lot about the NHL playoffs. That was a good conversation. If you're a hockey guy, go back and check it out. Tune in, iTunes. We're on social media at Coach and Cole on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Coach and Cole. I'm Coach037 on Twitter. Cole is that King Cole 715 Don't forget the 715 on Twitter. If you don't follow us or like us there, shame on you. What the heck is wrong with you? And Cole, I always ask you this, but do you have anything else to add before we say goodbye to the listeners today? Yeah, I do actually. I'm pretty buzzed. I've been drinking this whole time. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, hey. Hey, it's Friday night. Let me do what yep. I want. Prime time, Blog Talk Radio. This has been the Coach and Cole. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Uh, this has been the Coach and Cole show. I am Cole. And I'm the coach. Have a good night. See ya.